Fofia te kite matauranga. Fill the basket of knowledge. Ena iwi o te motu, nau mai anō ki tēnei hōtaka uh, te ahikā. Ko Maraia Rakuraku ahau, I'm Maraia Rakuraku. And I'm Justine Murray, and you're back with Te Ahikā, your weekly fix into Te Ao Māori, the Māori world here on Radio New Zealand National. That sound isn't something you necessarily associate with theatre, right? Unless, of course, your play is set in a dental office. How about one set post-Vietnam War New Zealand? So how does looking in people's mouths lead to playwriting? Well, it doesn't really. <laughs> it was just a, an aside, and, and how I did the playwriting was that I um, had been to a couple of um, New Zealand uh, um, productions in professional theatre, and I thought, didn't think too much of it, and I thought, I can do better than that. Is it because you weren't seeing Māori stories reflected? You weren't seeing Māori actors or what? Well, some of the things um, were that you had Māori characters written by non-Māori people and what came out of their mouths was cringe. John Broughton joins us soon. What starts as a serious question for Justin Murray turns into an insight into human nature according to Te Mako Teruki. Why, why is it then, um, Te Marco, that we see this simple, dare I say it, commercialised in a sense? It used to be the, I don't know if it's changed, but the, um, wasn't it the symbol of Te Mangai Pāho? Um, yes, yeah. yes it is. Well, I suppose when we think about our character and our ways as, as a people, uh, anything of great worth is worth pinching. <laughs> <laughs> te Mako Teruki walks us through the Tainui exhibition at Te Papatongarewa and on-site Tangata Whenua hosts for the next four years. Before I head to Whanganui and an organisation responsible for sending Bible scripture to rural Māori communities for the past 40 or 50 years. Nā re re te iwi e tahuri mai nei kui ranga kaupapa kōrero. Te aika. Radio New Zealand National. First up. One of the most arresting art pieces included in the Te Māori exhibition that toured the United States in the mid-1980s and then New Zealand in 1990 is the statuesque, majestic and imposing figure that is Uenuku. Ringing any bells? If not, click to our webpage radionz.co.nz forward slash Te Ahika and we have images. Or you can do the next best thing head to Te Papatongarewa Museum in Wellington, where it's part of the collection of Taonga from Tainui Iwi. No need to hurry though, it'll be there for the next four years because Tainui are following in the steps of Kaitahu and Tuhui before them as the Iwi host of Te Papatongarewa. Justin Murray met with Te Mako Teruki, who took her on a tour of the exhibition. Just describe, uh, please, uh, Te Mako, where, where we are standing. We're standing in front of uh, what looks like a, an entrance way near. Yes, we're standing here right before the wahalua of the Tainui exhibition, Taitimu Taipari. Tainui, Journey of the People, and uh, in the background you can hear the sound of, of the ads uh, making contact with wood 
and uh, recordings of some of our tubuna uh, with a special regard to Piripo Tapu, uh, chanting one of the traditional wild of Tainui, of the Tainui people. And they're the kalanga of one of our kuia, uh, welcoming the uh, crowds uh, into Te Papa uh, and especially into the space. It's called about the name Taitimu Taipari. What, what's the meaning behind that, that particular name of the exhibition? Taitimu Taipari uh, was drawn from the idea of the human experiences of our ancestors. And that being a time of uh, great upheaval and movement, the ebb and flow of humanity. Uh, sometimes it's fantastic. You know, and other times, uh, sometimes we're in a point of great prosperity uh, and wealth and cultural well-being, etc. And there have been those other times where uh, one might say the tide of prosperity has gone out. Uh, yet in that, there are things that we've discovered in the past and likewise now we're in a different period. However, the journey is the same, hence the idea of journey of a people. Our ancestors journeyed, they learnt and grew as they, they made their way to this land, they developed as they uh, lived on this land. Uh, and for each generation, it's been an ongoing journey and there's been a con continual ebb and flow uh, of experience, of learning, of change, of revolution, of evolution and progress. Kia ora. Well, um, in Kaituatu uh, Kitera, shall we uh, come through the Waharoa? Let's journey through. <laughs> <laughs> Let's journey through. Well, within the space and the entire space, uh, there was the indication early on and the wishes expressed by, uh, by the tribes that we make sure that none were left out where possible. And in doing so, that was encapsulated, if you like, within the tribal sayings, mō kau kirunga tāmaki kiraro, pare hauraki pare waikato te kaukauro uh, and the idea being that that's the generic spread of the Tainui people and its uh, main tribal identities of Maniapoto, Waikato, Raukawa, Hauraki. Uh, and then not to uh, forget also the Auckland tribes. The Auckland tribes, aye. Ah. Kia ora. So as we venture through the Waharua, we've got, um, oh, there's a, a picture on one of the wall in front of uh, Hotsurua Whareanui. Can you tell us more about this? Hi. So each section is dedicated to a certain theme, all uh, combined in this main uh, walkway, hallway, if you like, uh, called Te Whitingamai, or the coming across. And in doing so, our ancestors brought with them uh, tools, sophisticated uh, teachings and learnings and a sophisticated religious belief, if you like, spiritual uh, notions and ideas well entrenched. Uh, they brought with them whakapapa and hence we have the wall here with uh, Hotsiroa Whareinui uh, out there at Aotearoa Pa in the, uh, in the Ngāti Raukawa district 
and gathered there on the front porch of that uh, magnificent house. Mm. Uh, many of the descendants of the various Raukawa, Hapu, living within that area and further afield. And of course, we know that Hotsuro was the man <laughs> or the navigator of the Tainui canoe from whom most uh, Tainui claim senior descent and thus uh, giving rise from Hotsuro uh, down to his uh, descendant Turongo, who married Mahinarangi of the East Coast and giving rise to Rokawa, the ancestor, and thereby Rokawa, the people. Kia ora, kia ora. So we're entering through here through uh, Tai, uh, tai Pari Tai Tsimu, a Tainui exhibition. We have some whakairo on the wall up, up, up here, uh, Te Mako. Hi. We've got these whakairo here, and you'll see also above each section in the, in the orange strips there, there are uh, whakatauki, um, kupu waiata, kupu karakiarani. Uh, these are uh, taonga kōrero, uh, not just pulling out uh, artefacts or taonga yeah. tūturu, mm. but we look to encompass taonga kōrero so that uh, our words or our ancestors' words would also sit alongside these taonga and create the, the proper context for this exhibition. Uh, and so we have there more kaukiruna tāmaki ki raro mangatoa toa ki wāinga nui, pare hauraki pare waikato te kaokaoroa pātetere, expressing the widespread and dispersal of the Tainui peoples. And directly below that are three parts of a ancient pātaka found in the uh, hauraki area and the styles of the uh, of the Whakairo have said to be akin to Te Nui in the East Coast. And oh. they may well be. Uh, uh, however, what we know about Taonga, like people, Taonga travel. Taonga travel. Taonga travel and move amongst people. And many Taonga have either been traded or gifted or plundered or uh, lost along the uh, highways and byways of old. Uh, but this taonga in itself expresses to, uh, uh, to Māori the sense that uh, here we're a people rich in resource, uh, thus giving rise to time to produce such ornate carving. And when you look at pātaka or storehouses, storehouses. they have the notion of a people prepared for a long future. In preparation, oh, you've got ancestors carved there, looking over the resources mm. for those yet to be born. And did Pataka store mainly kai, ni, food? Kai, treasures, many things, depending on their, their particular use. Mm. Kia ora, kia ora te mākou. So we're going to come through the um, exhibition Taipari Taitsimu. We have oh, some beautiful kōrowai uh, uh, here. Cloaks, feather cloaks. Yes, we've got cloaks here and an example of beautiful tānikoa. Now, when we look above uh, this setting, we see manawatia e koe te amahina, which is an ancient saying uh, uttered by Mahina himself. As the canoe drew near the shore, uh, several of the younger members of the crew uh, immediately saw on shore, uh, at the shoreline these trees 
obviously filled with red coloured birds. Mm. And so these young men uh, pluck their red hair uh, headdress, or their feathers from their head. And you can imagine after several weeks out on the ocean, on the ocean. They're, they're looking a little bit tattered. <laughs> and they threw their feathers, or their kura, overboard and dashed over the edge of the canoe out onto the beach and raced up to collect some new feathers from the birds that were nested, nestled in the branches, only to find ehara. <laughs> they were poor hutukawa. Oh, they weren't even oh. They were not birds. They so, were not birds, so that's the meaning of that. Tainini and Hapopo raced back down to the, uh, to the seashore to collect up their feathers. However, far too late. Mahina and his Taina had already found them, picked them up, and they were sporting them oh. on their own heads. Uh, Tainini and Hapopo demanded Mahina, Mahina, give our feathers back. And, man, and uh, Mahina said to them, Give it up, be resigned to it. These are now the washed up oh. treasures of Mahina. In other words, you won't get them back. <laughs> they might now, now, why have we chosen that mm. in regards to, to, the feather. to the feathered cloaks? Well, it's less about the feathered cloaks, but it's about the idea that uh, not long after European textiles started to take hold here in this country, the art, the skill, the industry of weaving, and especially with regards to cloak making, went and, and died in many parts of the country, to the point where it was on, uh, yeah, invariably going to disappear. Mm. In this case, we looked at that and thought, oh, this is very much like uh, the two young men who threw their feathers away very quickly to take up another perceived treasure. Uh, but we were very lucky in that, through, well, especially the Tainui Kuiya from Maniapoto, mm. uh, from Ngāti Kinohaku, the matriarch, if you like, of weaving, uh, Rangimārie, had it. Uh, strove during her years with the Māori Women's Welfare League, in fact, asked by the Māori Women's Welfare League to promulgate the art and to teach it amongst women. And so, essentially, she moved beyond the traditions of her people uh, by teaching outside of the family, outside of the hapū, and teaching all who came to her. And that became uh, an activity uplifted and supported also by her daughter, Degris de Kanoa, mm -hmm. and by, uh, by Teowe Davis, who moved in other areas of weaving, engagements with the government, especially with the Department of Conservation, to enforce the idea and direct them and enable that weavers could gain access to weaving materials held within the dock estates. And also that you know, weaving uh, resources could be grown in many places, uh, pingao plantations, harakike plantations, etc. And so these three women are held as uh, held in high regard by the tribes uh, all around the country. In fact, there are, uh, there would be very few women women within the country who could say that their whakapapa of learning of weaving doesn't have a connection to one of these three women.
but it's uh, unlike Mahina, who refused to give the feathers back. <laughs> yeah. These kuia took it upon themselves not only to retain, uh, they were the wise ones who retained their feathers, yes. but then uh, took it upon themselves to ensure that those feathers went amongst other people mm. and grew. And thus we have today weavers of m mighty weavers all over the place. Uh, and I think that in itself is growing. Uh, there's a growing groundswell of weavers across the country. Definitely. Kia ora. Kia ora te mākou. We'll uh, venture through here. And now this particular taonga, Uenuku. Ah, ko te tūpuna nei a Uenuku. Mohana tātou katoa te ni waka no tātou te ni tāo. Hello, Tonga. So our, this town uh, uh, can be seen as a town uh, really is a uh, a taungatua, if you like, a resting place uh, prepared for a god. This is a temporary home or, or vessel by, and what's magnificent about it, it's stature, it's it's just, he's fantastic to look at. Uh, but beyond that, uh, this is an ancient uh, carved piece uh, dating back to the period of arrival, if not a little bit earlier. So it depends on uh, who you follow with regards to the arrival time of the Tainui Waka. Want to hold to Percy Smith? Well, there's your 1350. Uh, however, it could be earlier. But, uh, and it came inside the, the, the waka tainui? Ah, no, not oh, this taonga. Right. It's not the physical body. The physical body is made out of tōtara. Right. And we know we find tōtara here in, within Aotearoa. However, the resident, if you like, uh, the person or the, the god who occupies that space, Uenku, came with our people, uh, our ancestors, right. from across the Pacific. And so this is one of his can be seen as his temporal home, uh, the physical place in which he occupies space amongst his people. And Uenuku, uh, amongst the tribes, uh, is called upon uh, in various ways as a protector. Every hapu will have, have some idea or some notion or some tradition or some knowledge about Wernicke. Kia ora, te mākou te ruki, no Ngāti Mani o Poto, Ngāti Purau. We have photos of Wernicke and exhibition space, which you can see by clicking through to our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika, that's T-E-A-H-I-K-A-A. And while there, have a look around our page. The Facebook logo is there if you want to click like us. Go on, knock yourself out, like us. I'm Justine Murray, and this is... I'm and you know it. You're listening to the sound of Tiahika with Justine Murray and Mariah Rakuraku. It's your boy Taina. Hanging in the kitchens of my nanny and Krawa homes in the Hawke's Bay and Bay of Plenty during my childhood were yellowed, well thumbed calendars with what, to my naive eyes, had core five five patterns I associated with the walls of my fare tupuna on it. And alongside the monthly chocolate box photographs of New Zealand's scenery was a logo. 
Māori Postal Service. Now, after seeing one of the calendars in a store in Foxton last year, now, I haven't seen one of these since I was a kid. I was on a mission to track down who they were with, admittedly, certain expectations. So imagine my surprise when it led me to a semi-residential industrial suburb in Whanganui and an older Pākehā gentleman. I've driven down a, a driveway and at the front of it it says Māori Postal down drive and I've come upon what looks like the back of a, of a house. <laughs> Kia ora. Say hello to the lady. But so shy. Introduce you to the folks here. This is my wife Evelyn. Hello, Evelyn. Daughter Rosalie. Hi, Rosalie. And a volunteer helper Christine. Hello. Hey, Christine. Okay, so this, these are the premises for Māori Postal. That's right, yes. Now, this looks like it's on the back of a house. Yes, it, this was a house actually until about uh, five or six years ago when we bought this property. And now, this property with the Building over there makes up the buildings that belong to the society. Oh, right, so that's Aotearoa Print. That's the printing okay. department over there. Yes. And what's the society? It's, it's Aotearoa Christian Press. Yes. And there's two legs to that. The first leg is the printing, which is Aotearoa Print, and then Maori Postal Aotearoa is the mission part of the work. Okay. Yes. So um, we're standing here, and it looks like these ladies are putting together... Boxes of... At the present time, they are actually sending out calendars and magazines and Bible texts, and they're fulfilling orders that have just come in on the um, internet this morning. Okay. Yes. So do you do that every Monday? Uh, pretty much every day. So in front of us now is the calendar for 2012, and every year we print 25,000 of these. And they go all over the country, and if you go to Australia, uh, so that's the calendar. And you know they're free. They are free. So yes. how is it that something with this kind of production level? Because you know this isn't photocopies of written material. This is a high, highly yeah. produced, yes, pictorial. Calendars. So, how is it that this is still able to be free? Um, the the mission here is financed through the mainly through the Open Brethren Assemblies um, because the work belongs to the Open Brethren Assemblies, but also um, it is it is uh, supplemented by some of the commercial printing work that we do. So that's how we're able to send out most of our material free of charge. So who is the Open Brethren Assemblies? Uh, that's a group of um, basically uh, fundamental Christian churches throughout New Zealand. Uh, there would be around about 200 of those groups throughout New Zealand. So could you explain what, funda what, what you mean by fundamental? Uh, who have a basic belief in the teachings of the, of the Bible. Yes, and the Christian faith. The Open Brethren are, are a, uh, a fairly wide spectrum of churches, and each local local church is responsible for its own governing. 
Well, I'm a full-time Christian worker and have been an elder, but because my wife and I do a, a roving ministry, ministry, because we're not there very often. So, Graham, would it be fair enough, fair enough to say that these, the sending out of this material yeah. is a way of sourcing membership? Our primary objective is to propagate the gospel and to to just spread the message of the gospel of Christ. So, Graham, are you a printer I am, yes. by, trade by trade who yes. fell into this, or were you always in the church and then uh, you just combined both? We were in the church, and then um, I was working for 10 years in my earlier life for the Manawatu Evening Standard in Palmerston North as a linotype operator. Yep. And from there, uh, we got involved with other uh, printing firms, and then finally we were asked, as I said before, we were asked to come up here, and partly because of my background in printing, yes. Now, just out the back door, Yes. and about how far away are we now from the the printing? 20 paces? 20, 20, 20, 20 or 30 paces. <laughs> <laughs> okay, through the doorway, yes. staff only. So this is another house that's been... Re reconfigured into... We first bought this place back, <laughs> back in 1978. This was the end of the house here, and then this part was built onto it. So this is the, this is the printery workshop, and this is our little printing press that does all the offset press work. Um, we can actually get this started up so you can hear what it sounds like. Oh, yeah, I can see how this used to be the outside of the house. Yes. Because yeah. of the... Yeah. Okay, so um, make the appropriate sound. So is this the front? This is the yes, the feed. How many at a time can it do? Uh, maximum speed of a uh, uh, thirteen thousand. What? At a time? Yeah. Oh my god, how do you count that many papers? <laughs> it does you don't know, you do it on weight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what happens when it gets stuck? Uh, you got to set it right and make sure it's running right. Yeah. Is that how you set it along there? Oh, there's heaps of things you need to set up, like, um, set up the paper. Just puts one sheet through and then you have to check the front layers and the side layers and everything. It positions the sheet in the right place when yeah. you print. Can you just tell by sound if something's not quite right with the machine? Yeah, yeah, usually, yeah. Get used to the sound and knowing something's wrong. Do you work with poison here? Uh, we have uh, solvents and things for cleaning up the blankets and... Yeah, it smells nice. Where does it come out?
that come out over here through there. Oh, yeah. Put a plate on the cylinder here. Is that what a plate is? So what is that material? Uh, that's the image, so um, each colour has to go through the breast once. So. so back in the old days that would have been etched, eh? is that right? Uh, yes, it would or typeset? Yeah. 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 But now, how is that, can I touch this? Yeah. How does that, is that some kind of, what is it? The way that that actually operates is that the image area is, is ink receptive and water resistant and the non-image area is water re receptive and ink resistant because the ink is oil based so that on, on an offset press the principle is that the plate is kept moist by damper rollers that go in the front and then at the back you have the ink rollers and because the plate is moist, that's the damper rollers that go in here, because the plate is moist, the, Im the ink only adheres to the image. And the image then off-prints onto the blanket, which is here. It prints off onto that. And then the uh, blanket prints off onto the stock, which is the paper. Yeah. So, Graham, this is the new technology now. Yeah. Back in before this, how was it done? Same. Uh, it was done um, on a, on a uh, all the setting was done on a machine like that, which I had here in the office for many years. Is that you behind That's it? Me. That's a photograph. That's about 25 years ago. I oh, am. Yeah. And it was all hot metal, uh, set up in a, in a chase, uh, or or what, the, the way that we did it in the in the finish was that we set all the, the type up in, in its pages on galleys and then we took proofs of the type and then we used the proofs to photograph to make things. Oh, yeah. And we photographed them onto a plate like this and we still printed it offset. So yeah. what we're looking at is an A5 aluminium sheet, yeah? Yeah, no, this, this A3? is, this is uh, A3, a large A3, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And how much would a sheet like that cost? Oh, probably three or four dollars. Oh. Yeah. Where do you get them from? Yeah. I've never oh, seen these before. Printing supplies for yeah. They look like they could cut your fingers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have to be careful with them. <laughs> yeah. So what's that at the back? Uh, Is that a printer there? That's, yeah, that's. Um, oh, you go over there. I'm not going to go over there. Oh. <laughs> this. This is. Oh, if you go around. So uh, an original... A little platen printing press, and uh, you can get some sound of this one too. Oh, that is quite beautiful. And the way that this operates... That's a well-oiled piece yeah, of machinery. Is that this here, you have a chase that your type, your raised type is locked up into, and then that goes into the machine, and the machine prints it... And let me see what I've got... Let me just see if I can grab something here. Or should I take that I'll probably just off the machine. And, and then just so that it's my out through. That picks 
it up there, blocks it out over here. And if there was, when you have ink on here, yeah. and it's fed from the back, and your type locked up in here, it will print whatever's on there onto your paper. And it picks up this Aww. blank sheet there, takes it down there, prints it, and drops it out over here, finished. This isn't a very child-friendly zone, isn't it? Uh, no, I can imagine no. for kids, this would be like candy, yeah. wanting to put their fingers in everywhere. No, we keep kids out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Kia ora, Graham Batley and Fano Whanganui. Head to our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash teahika, and we have photos and contact details for the Batleys. The last time Michael James Manaya was staged was well over 20 years ago. Produced by Te Rākauhua o Te Tapu, with Jim Moriarty in the lead role. This year premieres at the International Arts Festival, directed by Samoan Nathaniel Lees and starring Tikohetsu Haka. Earlier this week, Mariah Rakuraku met with writer John Borton, whose profession may not be something one automatically associates with playwriting. So how does looking in people's mouths lead to playwriting? Well, it doesn't really. <laughs> it was just a, an aside, and, and how I did the playwriting was that I um, had been to a couple of um, New Zealand uh, um, productions in professional theatre, and I thought, didn't think too much of it, and I thought, I could do better than that. Is it because you weren't seeing Māori stories reflected, you weren't seeing Māori actors, or what? Well, some of the things um, were that you had Māori characters written by non-Māori people and what came out of their mouths was cringe. You know, I'll do something about this, I've decided. And um, So cringe as in not true to the character or not true to Māori? Or, or not true to Māori, or saying things that we wouldn't say, you know, and just... Um, the interesting question is, has that changed? Uh, oh, definitely. <laughs> mm, very very much so. And um, I have to say, I did challenge one needing playwright... <laughs> about that. He got quite ho with me. But however... Did I it just affect his change it? Did it affect his writing? Did it change it in terms of his characterisation of Māori? Um, it might well have, I think. But for myself, then I thought, well, if I sat down and you know, wrote a play, well, who's going to read it, let alone put it on? So I had to engineer a situation. <laughs> so Tell us about it. it so what I did is <laughs> that um, I enrolled in Roger Hall's. He had a playwriting uh, paper at the University of Otago. So I enrolled in that. And then uh, in the course of that um, uh, paper, which I thoroughly enjoyed, and Roger was great, it was really good, um, we had to write a couple of plays. And so the first play I wrote was called um, Tahara, and uh, that got uh, put on by um, Lunchtime Theatre at the university. Now, Tehara is about two sisters? Uh, uh, yes. Two women? And uh, yes. there's a secret, because Tehara is... Uh, perhaps you could explain what Tehara means. Oh, Tehara oh, uh, uh, is, is the sin. And um, it was about that um, in their little um, pa. Uh, one of the men had actually built a um, chicken coop on some tapu land. Wahi tapu. Wahi tapu. Mm. And it was just the consequences of all that. Because if he was building a chicken coop on a wahi tapu, there were chickens there, which people were then eating. Mm. So is it the carrying on? It's like the transference of something. Oh, well, yes. What's this, you know, about the... um, 
the the whole ripple effect of a transgression. Mm. So that, and that got put on in lunchtime theatre and had some productions around. And it was again it was put on um Tarako uh put it on in Takirua for one of the first festivals here. Um, so what years are we talking? Oh, it must have been about eighty nine oh, oh about nineteen ninety or somewhere around there. So this is revolutionary stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> Very much so. We paved the way for Morai Theatre. Um, and then the other play that I had, um, we had to write in Roger's course, I wanted a play that could be performed um, on a Morai Atea, right in front of a Farinui. And I thought, oh, you know, it's a very, can be quite a dramatic place. So um, I thought, what am I going to do? So what I did is that I went over to the Otago Museum, and it's where Matatua, the Farinui, um, was, and I sat down on the pie and I said, Homai he korero, give me a story. <laughs> and there, right in front of me, was this great big sign that said, Te Hokinga Mai, the return home, and it was, because we had the Tamari exhibition there, and it was and a big sign for it was right there, and I said, oh, that's my story. And then, of course, Matatua has gone on to be re-established yes. back in its home rohe, hmm. back up at Ngātiawa. That's right, yes. And uh, so I, uh, I wrote this play, Talking Mind. It was about a Pākehā soldier who'd returned from Vietnam and he went to um, his mates, um, Te Rangawaiwai. And um, uh, Roger had said, um, oh, I love this play. You have to, I'm just about to organise New Zealand's first Readers and Writers Week. You have to put this on. So um, Pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, we, so, we, so we gathered a, a cast together and... Um, we, we uh, put it on, and I had a friend who was um, a, a, a teacher of um, of te reo in Kapa Māori at Logan Park High School, so he brought a couple of classes along. So we had an audience for the first uh, uh, performance, and then then it was packed out for the rest of the week, and it became a bit of a hit, and it's been around the country and things like that. So, mm. so as with any kind of writing, you most writers will tell you it's a snippet of real life and you know, stories I've heard. Has that been mm. the case for you? Oh, definitely, yes, because, um, you know, if you grow up as a small child and you're surrounded by uh, whānau and kazi bros and aunties and uncles and grandparents and things and, and little snippets of their conversation, you know, you pick up and they stay with you and years later you oh, so-and-so said that and so-and-so said that. Oh. And so, um, which I think sort of gives our... Māori theatre, you know, great credibility. Mm. Does it also feel like a bit of a responsibility? Uh, I guess in a way. Because sometimes we don't want to air out all the dirty laundry, you know, and sometimes things get misinterpreted. Yes, but but I think that um, you have to be careful how you um, construct things within a play so that those sort of things don't happen. And also, at the end of the day, you have to uphold mana Māori. So... Um, uh, and that, that was one of the, the first principles when, you know, doing this sort of When you were writing. Yeah. Which brings us to Michael James Manaya, which mm. is getting another staging for the first time mm. in over 20 years right. as part of the New Zealand International Arts Festival. Now, how does that feel? Oh, it's, it's great. I, you know, I feel quite honoured and privileged that um, Takiru and the Festival Committee wanted to... Um, um, do another uh, uh, production uh, of it. It um, 
seemed to make quite an impact when it uh, first opened and made quite an impact in uh, Edinburgh when I went to the Edinburgh Festival after that too. Now, the track that we played before this interview was from the production that Te Rakohua or Wautapi put on of it, but they weren't the first ones to stage Michael James Manaya. Uh, no, it was first. The uh, uh, was um, the first production was by uh, Downstage uh, Theatre, and it was directed by uh, Colin McCall and um, Rabbit was the um, designer, and of course Jim Moriarty played the part, and he was supported by um, the late Cherie O'Shea and and Jerry Banks as the musos in the background. Mm. Now, the story follows a soldier's post-traumatic Vietnam War experiences. Well, it's, yes, it, it um, covers that, but it really it didn't sort of... That wasn't my main focus when sort of um, constructing the play, and it had an interesting sort of uh, beginnings because I... Um, it's sort of been pottering around in my head for some time, and then because I always wanted to do a one-man show. And uh, I knew where the play was going to end, and then um, uh, putting it together. And I had um, written the first two or three pages, and um, Jim Moriarty came into my office one day, and he says, "What have you been writing?" And I said, "Oh, here's this." And he looked and says, "And he said, this is mine. I'm having this. You're not giving this to anybody else." <laughs> and so he was in a production at the Fortune Theatre at the time, and so. Um, and I just sort of wrote in the evenings, and he. Used so to ha- you wrote with him in mind. Uh, well, he he claimed, but he said I'm taking this. <laughs> so I said, okay, that's fine. And uh, and so um, after his um, uh, performance at the Fortune Theatre, he used to come into my office at eleven o'clock at night, and um, he just read over the um, all the pages that had come out during the day. So we did, he did that for a couple of weeks um, until we finished it at the end. A lot of that I've seen have been written by people who haven't had a military background, and and therefore, in they're not um, they they haven't got the credibility. So what you're saying is there is there a degree of inauthenticity? Is that right? Oh, oh yes, no, because I've had seventeen years in the in the army. You have. Yeah. No wonder. <laughs> so. <laughs> And I've written a number of. So what? Where did you where did you fill the army in between dentistry? Oh, that was in the territorials. So I was in. So but I had seventeen years in the New Zealand territorials, and so um, and I got to a point where I knew exactly everything how that very complex culture of the army worked, (laughs) Um, and so um, everything that comes through Michael James is um, a lot of the lines actually came out of the mouths of real people <laughs> and things. Uh, and, yeah, and the whole thing has um, is, is totally authentic. And that's the, what I find a sad thing about other people who've written things about with military backgrounds is that, that the authors haven't had a military background themselves and then they put things in characters' mouths or in situations which are not real. In your many years of playwriting and as an active theatre-goer, do you think the characterisation of Māori is true to the Māori experience? 
In a lot of areas, uh, oh, it, it is. And, you know, we've had some wonderful uh, um, examples of that over, over um, the years that have come through, and especially, um, you know, with the depot theatre, the Takirua, uh way back, uh, being the avenue for um, uh, um, Marae Theatre. Um, so, but, and especially in the uh, very early 90s, um, uh, things sort of developed quite quickly, and uh, so we got a whole mixture of things. We got some things that were great, and some things that have not seen the light of day since, uh, really. Um, but uh, it's, there's no doubt that, as Māori, Māori like to see um, ourselves in theatre. And That's a good right. example of that is that um, uh, uh, Jim Moriarty with Tarako, who are, they took one of my um, plays um, on a tour of high schools, and it was Ngāpuki. And he said that they... The Hills? What's that about? That's, that's again, is about... Um, uh, a soldier in um, 28th Mile Battalion, and, it, and it's, uh, its second half is based uh, in a field hospital on Crete, um, before uh, the, just before the um, invasion. Mm. And uh, anyway, anyway, John said that uh, they're going to a, a very um, isolated rural school up on the east coast, and uh, in the when. Their, their pre-advanced publicity had gone through to the school, the kids said, ooh, we don't want to see that, ooh, we want to stink hole. <laughs> but he said, as, as soon as, as Jim appeared on, they put the play, because um, he was a, a, the character was a, a farmer um, from up that area, and the kids just related to it straight yeah. away, and he had them in their hand, and they, and they, uh, and they loved it. Mm. What about on screen? I mean, do you see anything different there in terms of characterisation? Um, well, again, we've had the, you know, the whole, um, you know, up from some, some exceptionally wonderful uh, things to things that would rather sort of, you know, go to the off switch, I'm afraid, uh, as well. But it's all part of the journey that, that we, um, we take as we adapt to the, the new technologies and, and um, more. But we do need... Uh, to have more uh, really good Māori writers um, and production companies coming through, because the actors are certainly there. When I was looking at your um, list of plays that you have written over the years, what I noticed was it seems to be an immediate response to something. Would that be true? So to an event, so like 1981 is about the Springbok tour. Uh, yes. Um that was a a uh, uh, commission, and um, uh, from the Fortune, they they asked me to to just write a play. Now the Fortune Theatre is the theatre that's based in, in Dunedin. Dunedin. Yes, and uh, I I was out having um, a meal with some friends of mine, um, Mitty and um, Monty Montgomery, <laughs> and Mitty was telling me about her uh, her. Uh, whānau because she um, had one member of her whānau was in the Red Squad. She had one member of, a, of her whānau uh, who was a, a protester and another member was um, was an avid rugby fan. And I thought, <laughs> oh, there's a story there. <laughs> so um, I, um, uh, yeah, so I wrote this uh, um, play and it's, uh, and it's, um, uh, it's centred on the three of them actually come together in Auckland on the night 
before the final test in Auckland, rugby test, and they have Kai together. Right. And, and one's is a member in the Red Squad, the other is um, uh, a um, university student and um, uh, is a, in the protest movement, and the other is a, looks after the family farm and is an avid uh, rugby fan. And Sounds so, hilarious. And so they all come come together, but it's no, it's not a comedy. Because you know how you're with Fano and you disagree, but at, at the end of the day, they, you're still hung each other and say hooray. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Even though so. you want to just. Oh. Mm. <laughs> so what's next for you in terms of playwriting? Uh, oh, I don't know. It's, the office keeps me really busy. Yes. Um, so, uh, as such. Because, so I mean, you're pumping out academic articles. And stuff, yeah. And, and yeah, so, so um, it, um, the medical and dental schools, it's really busy, so I sort of haven't had too much time lately. Kia ora, John Broughton o Ngāti Kahungunuki Heretaunga me kaitahu iwi. Michael James Manaya opened yesterday. It's on for a week. We've got all the details on our webpage. And here he is again with this week's Whakatauki. Fofiet kete matauranga, fill the basket of knowledge. What does this mean to, to me? Well, I think filling the basket of knowledge really is about our uh, tamaraki and our rangatahi being successful um, through their high school years so that then they can then advance into tertiary education and uh, get a good uh, qualification which will then allow them to work productively for their whānau, their hapu and their iwi. Ko taki te mutawaka i te taha o tōku papa ko John Broughton a home. Namarau Te Motu kicks off again next week and we're on home ground in Wellington. And we'll be bringing you highlights from the Matatua Regionals. That's right. They were yesterday. He mihi tēnā ki ngā kai kōrero i tēnei wiki. Ki ngā kai rā wiki wiki mihini, hoki mai tērā rātapu. Mai te whanau atiahi kā ki a tātou katoa. Mauri ora. ora.